Here's our lovely Ross. Thanks, Ray. Oh, good morning, everyone. I'm Ross. Here we go. Woo! I'm kind of excited. I had a beautiful time of what, what are you looking at? What's this about? The time. I don't know what time it is. I don't know. I'm going to go as long as it, I feel like. I'm going to talk as long as Andrew. And <laughs> maybe a bit more. Oh, we've got a lot of people over here today. If we were a ship, we would go around in circles to our right. Um, the whole time. It's a beautiful day. And I just want to, th- can we just thank the worship team, put, please, um, for this morning? Because um, we had a few curveballs thrown at us, and, and, and yet we come to this beautiful place. You know, it was really, really beautiful. Thank you, Lockie, just for being sensitive and following the wild goose. Yeah. Um, Beautiful Holy Spirit. Um, okay, um, for those of you that have visited, I'm Ross. I'm one of the elders here, um, although you wouldn't know it because I look so young. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's beautiful that Andrew and Mel are away, but I know that Andrew's at home watching. Hello, Andrew. Um, he is. He will be. He will be. Um, my message this morning is called knowing. Really knowing. Um, and the key verse, my kind of key verse is Psalm 37, verse 4, which most people know as uh, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Yeah. Um, I want to speak to something that over the years I've seen many people stuck on. Um, it's a very particular question or conundrum that I encounter a lot of people really having a sticky time of, and that is the question, what does God want me to do? What does he want me to do here, now, this, in this moment, in this next season? Um, I, I encounter people all the time that are really hung up on that, are in anguish about that. And it kind of, I, I have to admit, this is not a judgment in any way, but at my age I'm, I'm, I'm kind of surprised by it, when I encounter it, I don't judge anybody for it, but it's, I have found over time that it's actually a lot easier than most of us realise. And I want to speak into that, I want to talk around that, um, because something seems to be missing. Yeah? Um, people refer to it as finding God's will, um, which is a, a little bit of a heavy kind of term, you know. God's will, you know, it's really, it, it looks a lot more like a fist and something being forced into place. Um, and I want to start there. God's will. God's will. Um, we talk, I found as I listen to people talk about finding God's way or finding God's will, um, we, I find them talking often in a way that portrays a belief or a worry that if they miss what he has for them, um, they could well be slightly doomed, left behind, sidelined, um, forgotten. And I think this is where we have things profoundly askew. Yeah? And if you believe this, if you find, if you do believe that, 
that if you don't find God's will in this season, if you believe that, I want to ask you to lean a little further forward into what I'm going to talk about today. Um, Lean a little closer. Um, In terms of hearing from God well and finding his will, I found there's a couple of things that I've noticed over the years that are really foundational to doing that. For those of you that are note takers, there's two parts to this message. This is the first part and there's two points. Um, A few things that have to be get settled in our hearts once and for all in order for this to happen well. And one of them is that God is good and the other is that we have a free will. They're very foundational. First of all, we have to understand that God calls himself Father. It's really, really important that we get this. And we praise him as a good, good Father for really, really, really good reasons. Um, God does have a will for our life, but as I've looked and as I've watched over the years, I've found that his will, and I redefine this, into him being a good, good father. His will is actually a lot more like the desires of a loving parent. The desires that a loving parent has for their children or for their child. This is what I find to be true. This thing of will is, again, that really, really forceful thing. I find that it's not unlike the longings that a good teacher, as opposed to a ruinous teacher, has for their students. And it's not unlike the longings that a caring or compassionate pastor or minister would have for their flock. This is what I, this is what I find them to be. Um, because when, when I hear people worried about missing the clues that God has for them, they don't, seem to be, they don't seem to be walking with this loving father of their heart kind of dynamic. Yeah? Um, they instead sound a bit more like people who are trying really hard to not get in trouble, to avoid an error, to not break the law. And God's will seems to sit over them and appears to sit over their lives um, as some kind of quite large, scary threat. Um, But he is good. It is something we need to contend with in our spiritual journey really, really strong. Because it's impossible for him to be anything else. And it is something that we just need to get sorted because the depth to which we believe that one thing is the depth to which we'll trust him. And you may have noticed a lot of what is going on, and I'll mention this a few times throughout my message, a lot of what God is up to with us is working on trust. Because he's not seen by us easily. We can't go to where he resides He doesn't stand up here and put a microphone on. He is invisible so that he can be everywhere at once. Um, If you haven't been a parent, you may struggle to get this about God, God's goodness. Or if you've been parented badly, you may also struggle. Um, These are are mighty things that we see a lot. Um, so I want to encourage you here to get that sorted. Settle it in your heart once and for all. That God is good. Go after that. Um, because if you don't believe that God is good, something has been lost. Something's been lost right there. Um, and Father wants to 
leave the 99 who are doing okay and come after that lost thing for you. He does this again and again and again and again. And we see that here in a million different ways. Um, our family life, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, the second thing that you need to get squarely in place and figured out and understanding in terms of hearing from God and hearing about his will or what he has for you is that we are free-willed creatures. He's delighted to make it that way. At the beginning, at the centre of all this, um, it's, this is the way God has created us. There is a way that things work. There is a setup that he has created. Um, and we are like him. I love that. That came out in that last song. We are made like him. We are made like him in many, many ways. And one of them is that we, like him, we have a free will. Um, this is far more crucial to understand than many realise. We know it, but yeah, we sometimes forget what it really, really means uh, for our life. So come with me in your imagination. Close your eyes if you have to. But um, come with me back to the beginning. Right back to the beginning. Genesis 2. Somewhere there. 1, 2 and 3. Um, picture it with me. Um, I, I see something that is... In my mind, so I often see something that is not unlike a rainforest, but without all the humidity. Um, a beautiful place to walk through. A place that is soft underfoot and tall above our heads, that is brimming with greenery. A place that at some times in the day is a raucous riot of noise, but at other times is really still and really, really quiet. It is really safe there. There are no nettles. There's nothing to sting you. There's nothing that you might step on and be bitten by. There's nothing that's going to burst out of the brush and attack you. You are safe. And God's there walking about at times. I don't know when he did that. Was it a random thing? Was it a set time? I don't know. But Adam and Eve are there and they're free to go wherever they want, to do whatever they like, whenever they like. It's just one restriction. Just one. That tree. Oh, and, and, and the one beside it as well. Actually, the ones in the middle of the garden. Just leave them alone. You go anywhere else. Do whatever you like. It's easy. It's beautiful. It's uncluttered days. It's unstructured time. You can work the land whenever you need to to get food. Yeah, sure. Um, and I've always been curious. You can come out of that imagining now. Um, I've always been curious how long they stayed in that state for. How long did that happen? Was it a week? Was it a hundred years? Was it a thousand? I don't know how long that happened for. Um, but it was, it was really beautiful. I wonder how long they dwelt in that trusted state before they went fruit picking. Yeah? But at the centre of this image is a little trinity made up of the Father and Adam and Eve. Yes, the trinity's in there behind it, but present in that garden is that little trinity, just the three of them. Beautiful. 
And that little trinity was a community of free-willed individuals. Every one of them. Interwoven, yes, but each one of them free-willed and unique and with their own personality and longings and hopes and, and, and gifts and interests, yeah? It does feel a little bit basic to be pointing this out, um, but Adam and Eve were very much like us, free-willed with a few restrictions. Isn't that how we live now? Mostly on the planet, most people are pretty free to do what they need to do, except for a couple of interesting countries on the planet. Most of us are free to do what we want to do with some restrictions. Don't, don't kill people, you know, don't run people over, try not to speed, pay your taxes, etc. It, it's pretty free. Um, very, very much like us. Very much like humanity in this country these days, here, now. And it's really beautiful because when you stop and you ask what was God's will for them there, then, what did he want from them? What did he want them to do? It's really beautiful. It's just relationship. Nothing else. Walk with me. Talk with me. Come on. If you don't want it, that's cool. I'm going for a walk anyway. You know, they, they didn't have to. I doubt whether they were obliged to run to God or be somewhere at a certain time on a certain day. Um, it was all about relationship. Enjoy this beauty. Enjoy this place that I've set you in and walk with me in the garden from time to time. This truth to be free-willed is incredibly central to how God operates Tyrants want control, um, as do bullies and dictators. They want to walk all over our free will, and we have contended with that on an epic scale over these last couple of years, haven't we? Our free will and being told what to do. But God is not a bully. Uh, and many refer to Holy Spirit as a gentleman who waits to be invited yeah behold i stand at the door and i knock and i don't have to go through a whole list of verses that that that, that illustrate or prove somehow that god waits to be invited we know this we do know this and i'm here to remind you of that we know it but we are still afraid somehow to miss god's will for our lives and at times people are crippled with anxiety about it, yeah? Anxious, anxious to find out um, what's going on. God respects our free will. My wife and I were missionaries in Nepal in the 90s and at that time there was massive church growth. It was just booming, mainly because we were there. <laughs> We'd arrived and off it went. Um, no, we just happened to be there and watch this thing explode and it went utterly nuts as soon as we left. So that says something as well, doesn't it? Um, but there was, this, there was this accusation when, you know, and missionaries have experienced this in many, many uh, countries where they would say, ah, oh, you're just creating rice Christians. And rice Christians is based around the idea that if we give them enough good things, nice things, rice, food, ah, they'll come to our religion sort of thing. And you kinda, we would be accused of this and you'd go, it's the last thing we want. That's the last thing we really want. You don't want rice Christians. You don't want people who would just feel obliged 
um, to come there, that if you offer them something good, they'll just take it kind of thing and sign up and, and it'll mean nothing. We want people to discover God. We respected their free will um, to choose. Yeah. So I just want to, can we, as I sort of come to the end of part one, I just want to, can we establish this in our heart? I just want to pray. Close your eyes and just pray with me. I just want to ask, Father, Father, I want to ask you to just bring these things, Father. We, we believe that you are good, um, but please help our unbelief. Help it where we don't quite believe it fully or there's areas where we don't believe it fully. Jesus, would you come? We invite you to come and enlarge that place, enlarge our belief in your goodness. And Jesus, we, we believe we're free will, but sometimes we act like we aren't, like you're an ogre, like you're a tyrant, like you're going to punish us. Jesus, we believe in what we've been given, this beautiful gift, but we help our unbelief. Just invite Jesus into that space. Holy Spirit, come, come. Over weeks, months, years, our lives, over this journey, would you establish that beautiful and strong? In Jesus' name, we all ask together. Amen? Yeah, that's good. So, what's left to do now? If God holds back out of respect for the gift of free will that he created, that he alone made, what's left in the equation? What are people still missing? Because a lot of people have got these two things quite squarely in their hands. And there's three things that I've kind of noticed over time. There's three things that I find myself saying to uh, younger Christians, people I'm walking beside, people I'm mentoring, people I'm journeying with, and they are leading, choosing, and who you are. I'm just going to work through those three. So leading, good old leading. <laughs> it's, uh, it's something of an ad hoc discipline uh, for many believers. Um, for years, myself and a few mates ran a men's ministry and we would often have people come along to us and suggest ideas, particularly men who'd been to those retreats. They would suggest all sorts of ideas and we would find ourselves, we got in the habit of going, okay... Radio, but in our hearts we're like, well, thanks for the idea. We will only follow God's leading. Otherwise, we're going to be chasing a million ideas. More on that a little bit later. It's a difficult thing to define leading because uh, God is actually very into custom building the way He speaks to us. Does that? He likes to make it just perfect for us because no one knows our hearts. Like he does. Nobody. Nobody. Um, and it's also because no one can say something like God can. You ever notice that? He can say a million words in a moment. He can say, he can have you glimpse an entire world without saying a word. See this. Yeah? It's a beautiful thing that has happened for me just here at this church and it only happens sometimes and I don't know when it's going to happen or who to but it's like I will walk past somebody and it's like God just lifts the corner of the, the, the tub. See. And it's like see them. And I don't see their entire you know, inner world or anything like that. And, and as a matter of fact, what I catch a glimpse of, I can't even put into words but I just kind of go, oh, wow. And it kind of... It, 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 it just 
without even saying a word, it's like he just goes boom, boom, and I go, and it kind of marks them for me, and I sort of stay a little, not in a creepy way, <laughs> locked on with them. And I have a heart for them. It's like God goes, see who they are. See them? I, this is how I see them. You know? And it's in a nanosecond. Boom! You know? And it's, it's really, really beautiful. And uh, I've never had it happen before. But it's, it's so lovely to get this glimpse. You know? God just saying, here, look at this. And you're like, wow, that's beautiful. I see their beautiful heart. Um... One of the things I've grown to believe is that when Father speaks to us or gives us or others around us an unction or an insight for a word, it needs to ring true in your heart. Some of the words that I have had from prophetic folk or just friends and that, it just bang. It's so beautiful. Something needs to deeply and almost immediately agree with it. In our hearts, it's uh, there's something about it. Almost takes our breath away, <gasps> and it's this beautiful and perfect fit. Some of the truest words for my heart and my soul and my life, and at times my future. This is not all about seeing the future. God's never just been into that. That's not what finding His will or His way is. It's not about getting a roadmap of the future. This is all about trust. And we trust you, you've got it. There's got to be a blindness. There's got to be an inability to see a certain distance. It's, it's, it's not about that. But some of the truest words for my heart and my soul and my life have been really, really brief, tiny sentences. And at times, just one word. Other times, yeah, like I said, no word. Another thing that I find about leading is that often when a word comes in or a direction or a sense of something comes in, it usually makes very little sense to those listening around you. They kind of go, what? You know, It's kind of a little marker, because God has a way of just coming in in a very tangential and exquisite way and putting his, his finger right on something. Um, but these words have rung out. They've rung out in my heart. And, and a lot of them have continued to ring and ring and ring for many, many years. They stay. They become ingrained. It's like they've been written, you know, in kind of live musical notes on the inside of my heart. And they just ring and they ring and they ring and they come back to me. So, leading. Uh, I would encourage you to be initially sceptical of what others say, especially if they're using a lot of words. It's kind of a bit of a big one, um, but I find there are a lot of words in Christianity, a lot of people with a lot to say. Yeah? And like I said before, what, what, what we're not looking for is good ideas. The world is overflowing with good ideas, but that is not necessarily leading. Yeah? The other thing we're not just looking for is a coincidence. Yes, a coincidence is often, or it can be at times, part of leading, but not every coincidence is leading. You've got to hear that. You know, one of our sons is at another church at the moment. They're trying to 
encourage him to join a short-term overseas mission kind of thing. And he's a bit, oh, he's, he's at a tricky time in his life. It, it might be really awesome for him, but at the same time he's going, timing, uh, I don't know. He's sceptical. He, he said, Dad, can I get a coffee with you? And, to, and he wanted to talk about this very thing, you know. And uh, he ended up asking them, oh, where, where's the short-term mission to? And they're like, oh, it's to Nepal. And he said, oh, my parents used to live there. And they're like, oh, there you go, it's confirmation. And it's like, it's a long bow to draw, you know, and especially to take step out into something like that on that, that one thing, yeah? Which brings me straight into another thing. Others believing something for us isn't leading. Yeah. Eh? Sure, when you chase that thing that God shows you and opens up for you, you are going to need others to believe for you. But them believing is not the leading. You can't borrow their faith to go that kind of distance. You might borrow someone's faith to get over a hump. Yeah? But to go that kind of distance, something has got to reside in you. Um, so to those of us who are older or further into the journey, this journey, beautiful journey with Christ, be careful when you believe in somebody else's gifts or talents and ability that you don't try and steer their leading or their direction too strongly. Hold it very, very lightly. And I'm talking from experience here. Yeah? I've done this. It is essential that we all learn to hear from Papa. We're going to need that. All of us need that sweet thing for the duration of our journey. It is a far better gift than making up their minds for them or enjoying the thrill or the honour of being significant or persuasive in their life, which is what some of us feed on, if we're honest. Yeah. Um, one of the most, just in finishing this little section, one of the... I've, I've read a lot of books about... Um, I've always been fascinated by our two cold poles, the Arctic and Antarctic. I enjoy cold places. I'm sort of made for it somehow. Uh, which I'm living here in Ballarat. <laughs> um, but uh, I've just read a lot of older texts and writings and things about exploration in those two areas. And this is back to the day of steam I'm talking about here and sailing, sailing boats. A lot of boats that went exploring these places had a specially designed bow to try and break through the ice. They knew they had to do that. Some of them had specially designed hulls and they even had special drivers that would push them up over their ice and break it. Right? Now there was an art to working your way through, these, through the ice. Wherever there was clear water ahead, in any way, if they're surrounded, I'm talking about pack ice, I'm not talking about giant icebergs or little bits of floating you know, ice cubes, I'm talking about thick pack ice. They could see, that they learned quite quickly that wherever there was clear water, there was a different colour reflected on the sky, even if there was no cloud. So they knew where to head to. They knew where they wanted to get to. Right? And so they would test the ice and they'd send somebody up the crow's nest or to a high point and then they would start to they would either look for natural breaks in the ice and start to follow them or they would start to attack it and see if they could make a crack and then they were then they had to follow the cracks they had to follow the leads and that's what they called them to follow a lead it's the same here with mining it's called a lead you see it you find it and you have to follow it yeah 
It's the same kind of thing there. It's one of the most beautiful things. So when they would try, and if the ice was too thick, they'd have to go somewhere else and try and get through. Or somewhere else again and again. So there's a real art to it. There's a real knack to it. It's something to be learned. And um, this is a beautiful illustration, picture of leading and what it is. Um, it's not just waltzing up to something. The second thing <clears throat> that I think we really, really need, I'm really hoping this is my water. A bit late now. <clears throat> is us choosing. So you got to look for leading, and then you got to you got to you got to choose. Um, and I'll explain this because we all know that to demand devotion or love or adoration is a barrier to true love, good relationships. You can't demand somebody love you, serve you, you know, come with you. Um, we are in a romance with Father God. He's a lover. We are lovers. Yeah? It's a very, very different thing. Um, we're not robots. We're not minions. We are lovers in a beautiful relationship. Um, we know this. We know that he, we see it time and time again in movies and great stories, don't they? He must choose her over career, you know, um, his mates, his mother's advice, his fears. Um, and we also see that she needs to choose him, you know, over fears, over um, her past, over her father's disapproval. And there's other times where he has to choose them, his family, over work, over fears, right? He's got to choose, or she's got to choose these ones, you know, over staying alone and being independent. The key idea here is that you finally choose. Your will has to harden. It's that set your face like flint kind of thing that, that Jesus did. And we, we need to stop flip-flopping around. Um, because I meet quite a lot of people who just don't know and they're kind of, oh, I just don't know what to do. You know, There's this and there's this. I could do that and I could do that. And it's like, oh, choose something. You know, it's a center. Choose something because there's that beautiful scripture. It says, even if you go the wrong way, you'll hear a still small voice back here behind you saying, come this way. Yeah, it's that old thing. If you can't steer something, that ain't moving. You know, so it's this beautiful thing. Of you, you've got to choose. Um, you've got to choose love and trust, you know. Above fear, apathy, resignation, loneliness, independence, all, all those sort of things. And this is where it boils down to. God waits for us to choose. He waits. And I think this is where a lot of people are stuck. God is waiting for them to choose. What do you want? You know? Um, and I don't just mean choosing salvation here. I'm talking about what are you going to do? You know, all of our children, all of our four children, at some point in their life have been stuck. They're all young adults now, now between 21 and 28, for those that don't know our children. Right? And over these, <laughs> you think raising little kids is gnarly. <laughs> and then you get to this and it's like, 
you don't know what to do with your hands when they're stuck in their bedroom or they're stuck in a relationship or they've given up, you know? And um, all of them have had a point like this. So sometimes more than one at a time, you know? And it's really interesting what happens to the other sibling when one of them suddenly finds something and he's going for it. Because we have... In our family, we, we have an idea, and Ali started, it's a beautiful thing. If somebody wants to pursue something, a passion, uh, uh, something new, a new season, if anyone wants to pursue it, the rest of the family will back them until, until it hurts. And then more, you know, until it's gone too far, and then we might rethink it, right? It's like everyone gets that. Everyone gets that. If you find something new and you pursue it, you get that. So when... When one of your beloved, when one of your children finds something good, you come in behind, don't you? Kaboom. You know, you're there with money, you're there with time, you're there with love and advice. And then the other one's left going, what about me? What about me? You know, and you're kind of like, what do you, what do you say? It's like, you can't say you're a loser and this guy. You, know? <laughs> you, you can't say that. It's like, it's, it's the prodigal son, isn't it? Like he's finally decided, this is crap, you know, and I'm heading home, you know, and the father just runs to him and grabs him and backs him fully and honours him and goes, I'm behind you, let's go for this. And there's the one who's been there faithful all along going, what about me? You know, and it's, um, it's, it's, it's a hard thing. And this is, I think this is, this is God is father. We are his children. There's so much that we can learn from this. And I think the reason why you can get jealous of somebody going somewhere is simply because they've chosen. They've decided to go somewhere and Father is running with them and you just feel left behind. Whereas you're not necessarily, you've got more to contend with. There is a grand quote that many of you, just to finish up this bit, that many of you will um, have heard. Um, and it's from a guy called Howard Thurman, who, you know, some of these quotes, we hear them, and we, it, it, they're all around the world. Everybody's using them, and we often can go, I don't know, what's the origin of that? But this guy was a believer, uh, a black theologian. He was a mentor of Martin Luther King. You know, so man, this came out of his faith and his perspective and his journey and his walk, and it, it is that... A lovely old one, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do that. Yeah? Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. And that's us. I mean, this is what it's all about. I have come that they may have life. This is the deal. This is what Jesus is all about. It's so that it goes boom into this beautiful creation. The old has passed. It's all about this new, you know, it's about finding things. And, and he, let, let me qualify that. He, he's okay with us in these seasons where we're stuck. That is okay. A lot of that is necessary. You know, that's the contrast. It's the low points that make a hill look like a hill. Otherwise, there's no contrast. Yeah? And he's right there with us too, willing us, hoping us, believing for us to find, find something new. And there's another, even more pithy one, 
which is one of my personal favourites, which is from good old Saint Irenaeus. You all know him, don't you? Good old Saint Irenaeus, Irenaeus, some people call him. You know, lived between 130 AD and 202 AD, Greek dude. Was the Bishop of Gaul, which is now the south of France. You've got him. Lucky's remembered him. Yeah, there he is. Good old Saint Irenaeus. How you doing, man? Um, and he, he boiled it down even further. Um, to God's glory is man, mankind, fully alive. Just beautiful. So succinct. God's glory is mankind fully alive. Yeah? God's glory is us fully alive. Yeah? So right here, right here, this point here, that I'm talking about, God's glory being man fully alive, this is where most believers seem to get things muddled. Right at this point, there's incredible confusion and it's hard to know where this thing started and where it stops because it's not an overt thing in the church. It's never actually really said, but many Christians end up with a firm belief that you're only truly in God's will if you're in ministry. All the usual things, preacher, pastor, evangelist, uh, missionary, worship leader, priest, bishop, counsellor, short-term ministry, prophet, Christian author. They kinda, there's all these valid titles. Um, and I even know people that will say, unless it's happening overseas, you know, it's not quite making the grade, you know. You, you guys here back home, you're just dad's army, you know, kind of thing. It's just... It's, well, that's not important kind of thing. I even know folk that have that belief that that's where the priority is. This taking it to the nations, you know, is that's anything else that's aside from that is just a bit of playtime kind of thing. It's really, really sad. No one ever says, here, these are the ways to, to please God and find God and this is what I have for you. But the message that these people are in the centre of God's will is often implied in the way we honour them. Yeah? People in these positions um, or in these roles, it's there in how we esteem and how we support them doing stuff, the resources we give to them, the airspace we give them in services or in newsletters or in our prayers, things like that. That's a sad thing. That's a really sad thing. You know, because God, like God has called me to be, God led me into driving trucks 10 years ago, 11 years ago now. And kind of people are looking at me like, what, what are you doing? Uh, I had friends who didn't want to know me anymore. You know, I think I'm properly lost. I'm just, it came out of a bit of a time like Mel is going through right now. Yeah, I was depressed for a whole year. And, uh, but it was a massive reset, huge valley. But a massive reset. And, and, and God calls me out into these places where I'm by myself, me, a people person, all the time alone in the truck. And I'm like, what are you doing to me? You know. But he had something beautiful and secret and something that he delighted to build. You know, you can be a train, model train builder for God. You can be quilting. And God will use that. You know, these things that light us up, these beautiful things... The things that we love doing, God loves them as well. 
There's a reason why they light us up. And so I come to my third kind of final point, uh, which is know who you are. Who you are. Who you were born to be. Know yourself. It's been one of the tricky, one of the biggest turnoffs for me over these many, many years of following Christ, um, just for me, has been the high number of people who have forgotten themselves, who don't know themselves anymore. Um, and they are busy, and for me at times sickeningly so, playing a role, putting on a costume and playing a part that they've been handed. And it's fake. And it's often hidden, their true self is often hidden by years of doing this, and the real them is long lost and hidden behind a veil of sort of Bible facts and trivia and strange morality and obscure Bible verses or even more obscure online teachers and things like that, right? And it's, they're weary to be with because it just keeps coming at you, you know? Uh, it's just all, you've got to know this, and they drill in, and you're like, where is the real you? This is just a joke. This is a clown, you know? It just, it just keeps coming. Um, and, and they seem to have forgotten that God has delighted to make them themselves. God delights to make you yourself. And I could, I could just run around this room with people that I know, and I know their passions and their interests, and I could highlight them, and they're all... It's so beautiful to get to know somebody. I love getting to know somebody new, because I don't know what I'm going to discover. There's all these hidden, beautiful things in people in the background. Um, I often say to people, be yourself, because everyone else is taken. You've got to be you. Yeah? Be who you are. Um, I've been long, alive long enough now to have seen hundreds, if not thousands, of people born and watch them grow into adulthood. And it is worrying sometimes how quickly that child can disappear and be stolen and be shipwrecked some by the time they're 16, 17, 18, many by the time they're in their early 20s. And you go, I do not, I, I cannot reckon, I knew the child. See the child. You know, the Jesuits say, show me the child, was it by seven? I will show you the man. Give me the child to the seven, I will show you the man, the person, the adult. And, and it's really hard and, I, and I'm drawn, I find myself drawn and drawn and drawn to people who have not lost who they were as a child. It's still alive and flowering and flourishing and there's still playfulness and there's still something of who they are. You know, I, I just think about Imi. I've watched her and it's still there and it's still beautiful. At times it gets clouded over. Sometimes it gets squashed a bit under pressure but then it'll pop again. You know, and you go, come on! That's beautiful. Let it keep coming out, you know. For some reason, this thing of being ourselves has just been discounted and, and minimised and, and shut down for centuries. Centuries. It's beautiful that, that, it, it's so, that whole idea is so much more alive in the world now. Even 40, 50 years ago when I was a teenager, it was so hard, you know, to, to be yourself. And oh, it's so much more beautiful and, and better about it. And here it is. 1 Corinthians 12 
uh, you don't have to follow, just listen. Um, starts at verse 14. Now the body, here it is, God, God talks about it here. The body's not made up of one part but many. If the foot should say, I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it, it should not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it does not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, if the whole body was an eye, which is what it feels like we're all being asked to do sometimes, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an eye, an ear, yeah, copy everyone around you, where would the sense of smell be? Yeah. But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wants them. Just as he wants it. I've always loved this passage. Loved this. You know, because we're all so incredibly different and that difference is really, really neat. And this last bit, if they were all one part, where would the body be? It wouldn't, wouldn't even be a body. It would just be a massive ear trying to crawl around the planet, you know, or, an, or, or a foot that can't walk, you know. As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, which is a hilarious image, I don't need you. I'm just going to roll around as a head, you know. It's like we need each other, this beautiful diversity and this difference, I find it exquisite the way God has set it up. Huh? And then there are the verses that precede this. Yeah? And now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good for everybody. To one there's given the Spirit of the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith but the same spirit to another gifts of healing, yeah, to another miraculous powers, to somebody else prophecy, to another one distinguishing between gifts, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of that. Yeah, this is what a what a riot. All these beautiful things that sit within us that God wants to bring here. You know, and we have seen God bring some of you in. Because there was a gap there. God was pleased to bring you and your gifts and who you are and what you see and how you sing and what you hear and what you believe into the body for its health, for its beauty, so that it can function better and better and better. Um, I kind of want to bring us back to my key uh, verse, um, which is Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. It's a beautiful verse because it can be read um, two ways. You know, it's like delight. And the key thing here is delighting yourself in God. Still, it comes out of that intimate place that you have with him, that delight, that time spelt. But Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Can read, read one way, delight yourself in the Lord and he will author, construct and make and place within you your longings, your desires, your hopes, your dreams. 
There's that, but then there's the other side. It kind of cuts both ways. Delight yourself in the Lord, and I will fulfill those dreams. I will make that stuff come true. So he's kind of doing it from both directions, which is a really, that's a place of ease. You know? Um, just from my own story, when we were in Nepal, when we, got, when we met and got married, I married a missionary. Here she is, right here. But I was just a tradie. Going to Bible college, I was a brand new Christian, right? And I, I didn't want to take the gospel to the peasant masses in the Mahabharat Ranges in the foothills of Nepal. I, didn't, I wasn't interested in that at all, you know? But I went along, I was, the, I was even called the unassigned spouse. I had nothing to do, <laughs> you know? I could just sort of shimmy around. Um, they put a couple of restrictions on it, but I, 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 I didn't, I didn't want to go there. All I wanted to do was draw pretty pictures and talk to people and sing. That's all I wanted to do. It's all I kind of had, you know. It was just me. I had no skill. I had no craft to contribute over there. I had no job. I had no role. They found some things for me to do, but it was very, very part time. And guess what? God steered me into just that, just being me. Just drawing pretty pictures and talking to people and singing, yeah? making music. And I didn't realise it at the time, but what he was doing was starting the building blocks of just affirming me, just me, who I am, without a role, without a job description, without a mission to take to the world, without the nations for Jesus. It was just me. You know? And he built on that and he worked on that. Um, and what he found me to do, he even found a way to beautifully integrate, and this is his doing, not mine, my love of birds. I love bird watching, always have. And my love of motorcycles. And it all came in. And he just built this really, really special time for me. You know, well, I was just there to be the pretty boy. You know, and um, kind of at the end, I just I've got this called end stuff. <laughs> One more page, the end stuff, and it's a bunch of points. And for anyone taking notes, this is kind of this is I'm going through an A B C thing, yeah. So it's kind of a review, but there's some other good, beautiful stuff in here too. Um, it's not just a review. There's some gold right here. Um, so A, God is often waiting for us to be ready to chase a dream. He waits for us to be ready to chase a dream. B, often he takes us really, really close up to a smaller or a lesser dream and then removes it from us. And we're like, huh? what's going on? What's going on? And um, so we're, it, it, he does this stuff. I've seen him do it many times. He takes it right up to something and then removes it so that you are ready to pounce, ready to launch, ready to go when the real thing comes along. And sometimes it happens multiple times. You come up to something and this is it. It's gone sort of thing. And you're like, what? But at the same moment, you kind of go, oh, man. Getting that close to it, 
I've realised there's just a whole lot of... I've realised how poorly I work in a team. I'm going to go... I do need to go away and work on that. Whew. You know, and then something else comes along that looks close, really, really close, and you come right up to, yeah, seems like a good idea, and then, boom, it goes again, and you're like, what, what are we doing here? You know, are you playing with me, God? You know, but it's like, no, you need to see that it's not quite right, you know? And in the meantime, you've kind of realised you need to go over here and get a qualification or two. There's some areas here that I want to work on or that become blazingly obvious, yeah? So God does this and then when you're ready to... Then you come up to the real thing and you've got everything you need, pretty much. You know, you've got an awareness of your shortcomings, you've got an awareness of what it, it's really going to entail and you can hit it a lot more realistically, you know, I see that happen time and time again. C, uh, if you get it wrong, you're not lost. D, uh, it's really just one thing that God has for us. Most of us are pretty broadly gifted. And, and I have found that there's just a whole lot of things that God is going to lead you into and, and sort of give you and bring you seasons where this is going to be the focus and this is going to, this is, I have to build something here, you know. This is going to happen again and again over a bunch of different things. Some people are made to follow one thing all their lives and God calls them to that. Um, and, and others are doing that and it looks like they've just lost their way. They're just following it because God said it and they don't know how to review and they don't know how to go around corners and they don't know how to back up and they've lost the ability to listen because they're just so melted into this direction um, that they're stuck and it just keeps going out there. Um, e, A, B, C, D, E. He is far more concerned and far more interested always in who we are. No matter what you do, uh, this is this is this is this is the this is the crux of it, people. It, it doesn't matter what you are doing. Sometimes, if if our character is poor, you know, uh, he's always always focused much more so on building who we will be become, who how we will become like Christ than what we are actually doing. Yeah. He loves this. He hammers in here. Um, F. Often we're waiting in the hope that we'll catch a glimpse of God's vision for us when he is in fact hoping we'll pursue a dream that resides in us. Remember our sons, our, our children? We're waiting for them to find you. We can see their passions. We can see it in them. We can see the potential, but we wait for them to find it and then we back them. Yeah, um, and the last one, gee, um, this is a really, really beautiful, beautiful quote. This has been a, this has been a, a rescue for me. This simple thing, and it's two two quotes here, and they're both in finishing. They're both the same side, the two sides of the same coin. A dude called Frederick Buchner. I don't know who he is, and it doesn't really matter. Um, but he believed, and here's the quote: "The place that God." calls you to is the place where your deep gladness meets the world's deep hunger. I'm going to repeat that. The place that God calls you to is the place where your deep 
gladness, my emphasis, the things that make you come alive naturally, that come out of your heart, where those things meet the deep hunger of the world. That's, that's the intersection. This is where you are glorious. Yeah? And then the other side of that same coin is... <laughs> paradoxically, this beautiful paradox, I love the paradoxes that God deals with, our greatest glory will grow out of the middle of our greatest failings and wrestles. This is where it comes out of. This is the wellspring. It's almost the opposite sort of thing. Where we have wrestled, where we have failed, this is the soil out of where our glory grows, you know. Let's stand. Hmm. Yes, Grace is going to tell us what his pa her painting is about. Go for it, Grace. Come on. Revealing the vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So, so all of the flowers and stuff are supposed to be, the like, not give up hope because there's beauty. And, I, and like, wow, what are you talking about? So. Hmm, hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, have, we contain incredible, inestimable beauties within each beautiful soul. Um, I just want to pray. Um, just pray with me. Lift your hands to God. Shut your eyes. Open your heart. Oh, Father, you, you lean towards us so, so beautifully. We can't stop you, but still you come in close. You want to know us. You want us to know ourselves because each one of us, you have delighted to create so beautifully and intricately and so unique, so unique. There's so much in every one of us, Father, that you delight in. Jesus, I ask, Holy Spirit, beautiful Trinity, I ask that you would seal in uh, these words, these things that we have held in our hearts and in our fingers today. And Jesus, show us, show us, show us our worth in you, from you. Father, help us find your way, <laughs> your beautiful way. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Have a really beautiful, beautiful week of discovery. And thank you for listening. Mm.